Welcome, everybody, at another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. Hopefully, y'all are doing good today, and if not, well, let's see what this one is going to do for you, because it's the final podcast of the year. 2021 can finally conclude after long waiting, but today I figured I might do another Undertaker video at some point, well, episode, but today I figured, since this doesn't take a whole lot of research, Thankfully, compared to the other video, the other topic I want to discuss involving the Undertaker, I figure why not talk about his history at WrestleMania now that the man is retired as of a little over a year ago. So I thought, why not cover his entire history at WrestleMania? I mean, over 20 matches of WrestleMania since WrestleMania 7. So why not go through the history about his matches and the builds and everything in kind of a trip down memory lane of sorts? So let us begin. Right there, WrestleMania 7, the very first opening match well, of the streak. It technically was a throwaway match against Jimmy Superfly Snuka. This match was honestly just out of nowhere. Like, I remember trying to watch some old episodes of, like, like all the old shows, like Primetime Wrestling and stuff like that, trying to see, hey, was there something that instigated this feud? Because I think there were rumors that around this time he was supposed to go in against Tugboat Typhoon. But that just did not happen. Instead, he went against Super, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. It was announced out of nowhere. Of course, Undertaker got the squash wing out of the tombstone after Snuka tried to springboard move. Got caught. Boom. And that was the first match of the legendary streak. And it was also Undertaker as a heel. Now, things would kind of change the following year because it would be him turning babyface. But then also, the match of WrestleMania 8 would also have a story to it. So, prior to WrestleMania 8, Jake the Snake Roberts turned heel... By turning on the Ultimate Warrior while trying to teach him the ways of the dark side for his feud with The Undertaker. And at one point, Jake Roberts was then moving on to his feud with Macho Man Randy Savage. And was about to attack Savage with the steel chair behind the curtain. But then Undertaker pretty much stopped it. And Jake Roberts asked him on the on the funeral parlor saying, Whose side are you on? Undertaker was just like, Not yours. That's instigating this feud. Now this match, Undertaker's first one is a baby face. Not a bad match. You mostly remember it for two DDTs, Undertaker surviving, and Jake getting hit with a tombstone on the floor on the outside. And this will be Jake Roberts' last match in the WWE for about four years-ish. Because I know he came back around 95, 96. Yeah, I think he came back at the Royal Rumble because he would spend a bit in time in WCW and other companies before eventually returning. Following year, WrestleMania 9. Oh, this one was <laughs> infamous for all the wrong reasons. So, in the build of WrestleMania 9... Undertaker was having a few with Harvey Whippleman and all these monsters that he had. One of the most notable ones being Kamala in late 92. So, at Royal Rumble 93, in comes Giant Gonzalez, the former El Gigante in WCW, wearing this horrible airbrush suit with fur. Looked like Bigfoot, and Bigfoot had a butcher job and just did not finish shaving himself. Leading, so this confrontation in Royal Rumble happened. Lead to WrestleMania 9. This is the one match that did not have a decisive finish as... The match, it was awful. There's no doubt about it. Worse than their match later on in SummerSlam that same year, but it was just a bunch of strikes, 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 slow motion, chloroform on a rag, put on Undertaker's face, disqualification, Undertaker came back, flying clothesline after the match, finally knocking John Gonzalez off his feet. Wish that would have been in the end. I mean, their rest in peace match or whatever. Yeah, I think it was a rest in peace match at SummerSlam, which was just no disqualification. Slightly better, but both matches were still awful. Now, Undertaker would miss WrestleMania 10. He was out after losing the casket match at Royal Rumble to Yokozuna. He was having back issues, so he took a while off. Came back at SummerSlam. 
as Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi claimed he had the real Undertaker back, turned out to be a fake. So that following that, Undertaker started having the feud with the Million Dollar Corporation and DiBiase himself. WrestleMania 11, it would be King Kong Bundy of the Million Dollar Corporation who would be the opponent. This match, you mostly know it because it was also one of the matches that did not end with one of Undertaker's typical finishers. Instead, he hit a scoop slam, that flying front flip clothesline, and that was it to be Bundy at WrestleMania 11, making it 4-0. Following year, WrestleMania 12, his opponent would be Diesel. Diesel was pissed about losing the WWF Championship to Bret Hart in the Notice Qualification Match Survivor Series. Cost the Undertaker the title match at Royal Rumble against Bret. So Undertaker got his matter of revenge at the following pay-per-view in your house raids in the cage. Ripped a hole through the, the floor of the ring. Dragged Diesel through and allowed Bret to escape to retain the title. This led to the match at WrestleMania. Diesel ended up hitting a jackknife powerbomb. Undertaker just sat up afterwards while Diesel was just posing like, Yeah, I did it, even though he didn't even bother trying to pin him. And I'll make another reference to that later on. Undertaker would even get a huge tombstone and get the pin on Big Daddy Cool Diesel. And I think this was a start to where he was starting to finally start to have really solid matches. I know he had a really good one with Bret Royal Rumble, but in terms of like continuous ones starting per year, this was like really the start for him. But now the next year, uh, down a little bit. WrestleMania 13, challenging Psycho Stiff for the WWF Championship. This match just came out of nowhere. Because, I mean, Bret won the Fatal 4-Way match at In Your House Final Four, lost the title like we said afterwards, commenced with a feud with Stone Cold, and then Undertaker was just named the number one contender against Psycho Sick. So it was just out of nowhere. Because, like, Vader, out of all four men, would just end up teaming with Mankind against British Bulldog and Owen in WrestleMania. So it was just like, hey, we don't know who else to make the challenger, so here, here's Undertaker because he's got nothing going on. I mean, the match was all right. Nothing special. The two never really clicked. Tombstone, boom. Undertaker wins, 6-0, and it was his first run as the WWF Champion since losing the championship at this Tuesday in Texas about five and a half years prior. So it took a while for him to get another championship to like, run everything. The following year, WrestleMania 14, 7-0 against his brother Kane. This had been building since the middle of 97. Paul Bearer revealing that Undertaker had killed his family in a fire. Undertaker claiming it was his brother Kane that did it. But then we find out, Kane is coming, Undertaker! Which happened to bad blood in your house. Kane caused the Undertaker to help first ever Hell in a Cell match against Shawn Michaels. Tombstone, boom. And during this whole build, Kane was trying to get Undertaker to fight him. Undertaker went on a vow saying he would never fight his own brother. Kane seemed like he was on Undertaker's side, but then attacked him at Royal Rumble. Threw him in the casket, lit it on fire. Trying to kill him, fire just like his brother almost did to him. This then saw Undertaker actually survive because he escaped the casket in time. Finally made the vow he's going to face his brother Kane at the WrestleMania. Three tombstone pile drivers, Undertaker wins, boom, 7-0. But he just barely managed to be Kane. The following year, oh boy, yeah. This one, WrestleMania 15, Big Boss Man. Hell in a Cell, worst Hell in a Cell match ever. This was more of a few, not just personal, like, oh, Undertaker had a problem with Big Boss Man. It was more of corporation versus the ministry, so a heel versus heel feud. Big Boss Man chose to be, was chosen to be Undertaker's opponent at WrestleMania. Tombstone Piledriver, that was it. You only really remember the fact that the match sucked. And afterwards, Big Boss Man was hung by a noose through the cell, thanks to assistance beginning with Edge and Christian and Gangrel of the Brood. You don't need to watch this match. Awful. Now, Undertaker won this the following year. He was away with a groin injury in, late in the later part of 99. He was supposed to come back at, Wrestle at Royal Rumble 
end up being out because he tore his bicep, I think it was, during training to come back. So he ended up missing WrestleMania. Next year, however, it will be different. WrestleMania 17 faced Triple H. After Triple H defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin at No Way Out in three stages of hell match, Triple H declared he had beaten everybody that there is to beat. But then out comes Undertaker saying, You've never beaten me. Saying, You mess with me, I'll make you famous. But then Triple H declaring, I've already made people famous, uh, by crippling people, ending careers, uh, you know, stuff like that. So that finally led to this match. There was a restraining order between Undertaker and Stephanie until William Regal granted a match between Undertaker and Triple H WrestleMania. Great match. You mostly remember this for a few things. Forever taking a long time to recover from getting a bump. Triple H getting slammed off one of those scaffolding areas over by the entrance in the crowd area and landing on pads. And also the sledgehammer spiking through Undertaker's head and busting him open legitimately. But Undertaker still won last ride, WrestleMania 17, making it 9-0. Following year, number 10, this would then be Undertaker's first WrestleMania as a heel since 7, when 1-1 one one against Ric Flair in a notice qualification match. Kind of stemmed around the time of No Way Out, where Undertaker attacked Rock to build to their pay-per-view on the hood of a, either a car or a limo. Flair was not happy about it. Flair would get involved in the match in No Way Out. Undertaker won a match. Flair was in between whether he wanted to do it or not, also in position of power. Finally, given the match, and even during the build as well, Undertaker attacked his son, David, who was kind of still in developmental in a way in WWE, beating him up and everything and all that. Match finally happened. Undertaker was trying to go for the last ride. Flair flopped down while trying to take the move. Took Tombstone. Boom. 10-0. Undertaker even held up his hands signal saying, hey, I'm undefeated and counting how many wins he had. So it was one of those early notices of him like keeping track of the streak. After this, turn face again a little later that year. WrestleMania 19 went in a handicap match against Big Show and A-Train. He was supposed to team with Nathan Jones. I've discussed that in the episode, one of the episodes of the three-part series of matches that did not happen as scheduled. He was supposed to team up with Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones got taken out on heat beforehand because in reality he was just bad in the ring, so they kicked him out. It really still stemmed from after No Mercy, where Undertaker lost the Hell in a Cell match to Brock. Both men made peace afterwards. And then on the SmackDown stage, Big Show just picked up Undertaker, threw him off the stage. Undertaker was off TV for a little while, recovering from his hand injury. Came back to Royal Rumble. They had the feud leading into No, uh, no Way Out. Still kept going after WrestleMania. They included A-Train, handicap match. Worst match he's had since WrestleMania 15. One of the lesser known or less memorable matches. But it was still all right. One after Tombstone Pile Driver and A Train. That was it. Undertaker 11 0. Now, after this, no more of the Dead Man, of the American Badass persona. Dead Man was back. Undertaker was next feud. WrestleMania 20 was against Kane again, making this the first time that somebody would face the Undertaker more than once at WrestleMania. Kane had buried the Undertaker alive at Survivor Series. After while Undertaker was in a match against uh, Vince McMahon. Buried him alive. I think he said it was due to Undertaker showing a more human side as a lay. Kane could not understand that or accept it. So Undertaker started returning with the dead man persona through promos and everything, saying he was going to face under uh, Kane at WrestleMania. Finally came out. Dead man. Drones, torches in the aisleway. Paul Bearer was back. Holding the urn and everything. Undertaker came out. Tombstone Piledriver and Kane for the win. But this also had the same feel as WrestleMania 12. Because Kane pretty much did the same thing that Diesel did. 
hit his finisher on Undertaker, instead of pinning him, he's just walking around, like, posing, like, yeah, I did it, like, I killed him, even though he didn't win the match, and then Undertaker sat up, so, kind of a rehashing a little bit of what happened eight years prior, but still, it was an alright match, Kane gets Tombstone, that's it, Undertaker 12-0. Following your WrestleMania 21 against Randy Orton, Randy Orton was pretty much encouraged by Superstar Billy Graham to do something that had never been done, kind of like do something outrageous or historic. So Randy Orton decided, why not go and challenge The Undertaker? Undertaker would eventually set the challenge after Randy Orton turned heel, RKO'd his then-girlfriend on screen, Stacey Keebler. Match happens, Legend versus Legend Killer. Great match, you mostly remember it from RKO countering the chokeslam and everything like that. Undertaker kind of floating on a platform uh, down the aisle way on smoke. Really great match. 13-0, definitely started a, one of the bigger feuds and one of the best feuds of 2005. Number 14 at WrestleMania 22, will go against Mark Henry in a casket match. Undertaker was having a rematch after No Way Out, having a match on SmackDown on the March 3rd, 2006 edition against heavyweight champion Kurt Angle. Mark Henry got involved, cost the Undertaker the match, ended up setting up the match for WrestleMania and a casket match. You kind of remember it as Mark Henry, only thing you remember was Mark Henry failed to catch the Undertaker, I think they botched a little bit of the last rag as Mark Henry's weight, but he got the tombstone successfully and thrown in the casket. Mark Henry's down, 14-0. Now, the 15th one, WrestleMania 23, went against Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship. Sent back through Royal Rumble. Undertaker won the Royal Rumble match by last eliminating Shawn Michaels. One of the episodes of Raw shortly thereafter, he stood in the ring with WWE Champion John Cena, World Heavyweight Champion Batista, and ECW Champion Bobby Lashley. Stared at Batista, Throat slip motion, chose his opponent. This will be the first of their five one-on-one matches that they really had that year because there was that backlash. There was a steel cage match on SmackDown, Cyber Sunday, and Armageddon. Undertaker would even survive the Batista bomb in this match. Tombstone, boom, Undertaker, world heavyweight champion. I believe this was his first time. And also his second time winning a championship at WrestleMania and moving on to 15-0. and WrestleMania 24 would go against Edge. So Undertaker had become the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship and No Way Out by winning the Elimination Chamber match. The feud was really starting because of what happened in Survivor Series when Edge got involved, cost the Undertaker the World Heavyweight Championship in the Hell in a Cell match against Batista, walked out as World Heavyweight Champion the following month in Armageddon, and Edge was still World Heavyweight Champion going into WrestleMania, and again, Undertaker became number one contender to No Way Out. So Undertaker was having his undefeated WrestleMania streak, and Edge mostly had a streak at this point. Like, the only non-victory he really had was the year prior, WrestleMania 23, for the Money in the Bank ladder match. But then again, he wasn't really there for the conclusion of it, because he, he got taken out due to Jeff Hardy driving him through a ladder. So, Undertaker's undefeated streak, and Edge's pretty much undefeated streak, if you include the fact that he wasn't there at the finish for WrestleMania 23. Both men went back and forth. Actually matched to close the pay-per-view for the World Heavyweight Championship. Edge even survived the Tombstone Pile Driver due to a long wait for a referee to finally get to the ring for the pinfall count. But after Edge hit the spear on the Undertaker, got locked in Hell's Gate, submission, boom. So Undertaker's first submission win at WrestleMania and became World Heavyweight Champion once again. So now WrestleMania 25 going against Shawn Michaels for the first time. So Undertaker and Shawn... They had not had a one-on-one match since Royal Rumble 98 in the casket match that injured injured Shawn's back. 
Undertaker was kind of on a roll at this point. Shawn Michaels earned the right to face the Undertaker WrestleMania by defeating Vladimir Kozlov, which was Kozlov's first pinfall loss on television. Both men were going back and forth, revealing that, hey, Shawn had never been beaten by the Undertaker one-on-one before, which was technically true. Undertaker saying that Shawn will rest in peace, but then Shawn saying he will rest quite comfortably knowing that he was one and the Undertaker streak. Both men had a magical match. The build was incredible, showing like, hey, Shawn represents the light. Undertaker represents the darkness. Incredible match. After Shawn survived a one tombstone pile driver, he got going for the moonsault on the Undertaker. Caught tombstone number two. That's it. 17-0, one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. Now, next year, WrestleMania 26, this, I absolutely love the brilliance of this build. This was all stemming from what happened with WrestleMania 25. So, later on in the year, Shawn Michaels won the Slammy Award for Match of the Year for his match with The Undertaker WrestleMania. But then he stopped and realized, saying, hey, I could beat The Undertaker. I was so close. I had a nearly perfect match. He decides to lay down the challenge for going against The Undertaker one more time. But The Undertaker refused his offer, saying he had nothing to prove. So Shawn had this obsession with making sure he got The Undertaker's attention and the match. Failed to win the Royal Rumble. Could not be switched over to SmackDown to become part of the Elimination Chamber match for Undertaker's World Heavyweight Championship. Threw DX away, seemingly retired after declaring backstage his career is over. But then at the Elimination Chamber review, Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, he got involved in the match, broke through the floor of the Elimination Chamber, cost the Undertaker World Heavyweight Championship, and the next night, Undertaker was like, all right, I accept the challenge. But it was declared streak versus career. If Undertaker won, Sean's career was over. It would be declared that the match could only be won by pinfall or submission, so no disqualification, no countouts, and the match was on. Both men told an incredible story, intense match all around. Undertaker delivered two tombstone pile drivers at first, one on the floor, one in the ring. Sean still kicked out. Sean still thought he had fighting him, but then at the end, Undertaker was about to like do the whole slip throw motion. Sean tried climbing up, trying to get back to his feet. Undertaker screaming, stay down! Then Sean just pretty much slapped the Undertaker in the face. Leaping tombstone pile driver. Boom. Three tombstone pile drivers. Undertaker wins. 18-0. And up until the Crown Jewel event from 2018, this would be Shawn Michaels' last match. Now, WrestleMania 27. Undertaker would finally return in early, around February of 2011. First time appearing since WrestleMania 20... No, since uh, Bragging Rights. Was about to... Possibly address the crowd, then outcome that same night comes Triple H to interrupt him. First time being seen since Extreme Rules 2010. Both men have a silent stare down, eyeing the WrestleMania sign. Both men do their own taunting motions to declare, hey, the match is not a WrestleMania. Be declared no holds barred. Does I mean pretty epic there? Undertaker would even survive getting hit with his own tombstone pile driver, chair shots to the head, pedigrees, nonstop. Undertaker would get the Hell's Gate on Triple H. Triple H tried to use a sledgehammer onto Undertaker to break the hold. Undertaker got him too weak of any energy to freaking use it. Triple H dropped the sledgehammer, tap out, and that was it. Undertaker 19-0 WrestleMania. But then Triple H would be able to walk away despite losing the match, and Undertaker had to be carted out. This would then lead to WrestleMania 28, end of an era. Triple H was about to fire John Laurinaitis as the... General manager, the interim general manager of Monday Night Raw. Out comes The Undertaker. I am the sign of WrestleMania 28, but this time Triple H was like, pet Undertaker on the back, walks away. Wasn't going to have it. So then Undertaker started cutting his hair nonstop, which was technically a wig because he already shaved his head in real life prior to this. 
and started doing this until Triple H finally accepted a rematch because Undertaker did not want people wanted to redeem the whole thing about him getting carted off so he did not want that to be left in anybody's minds going forward Triple H kept clearing saying he was not going to do it because he knows in order to end this feud he has to end the Undertaker and he respects him too much to do it that's when Undertaker declared saying you can't do what your buddy Shawn Michaels couldn't do because Shawn was always better than you Triple H finally had the fire lit under him and decided, you know what, you're on. But if we do this, we go all the way. That was when it was announced, hell in a cell. And Shawn Michaels would be the special guest referee where the fate of the streak was at the palm of his hands. Undertaker, like, survived his Triple H and Shawn Michaels' super kick pedigree combo. Undertaker even hit a tombstone pile driver. Triple H like, end up freaking kicking out from there. Sledgehammer to Triple H afterwards. Tombstone again. That was it. Quote unquote, end of an era. Finally happened as Undertaker moved on to 20 and 0 at WrestleMania. And all three men end up embracing on the stage. Incredible moment, an incredible match. But now, this wasn't the end for Undertaker, though, yet. As WrestleMania 29, he would go 1 1 against CM Punk. So, CM Punk became the challenger for Undertaker after winning a fatal four way match on Old School Raw. Same match where Undertaker returned. And during this build in real life, Paul Bearer passed away. And on Raw, Triple Undertaker was in the ring about to pay tribute to Paul Bearer, but then CM Punk interrupted and he said, my condolences for your loss at WrestleMania. So then he took possession of the urn, mind games back and forth. Last Raw before the pay-per-view, Paul Heyman actually is on the stage, dressed up like Paul Bearer, holding up the urn. Undertaker came up to the ramp. There were drones on the sides beating everybody up. How come CM Punk was dressed as a drone? Beating up the Undertaker, open up the urn, and pour all of its contents all over the Undertaker. It was a big sign of disrespect. So they finally have the match. Epic match. Although, one point, the announce table did not break. CM Punk was even allowed to survive one of the Tombstone pile drivers, got hit with the second one, and Undertaker would move on to win 21-0 at WrestleMania. This would end up being the last victory of the streak, as the next year, WrestleMania 30... Went up against Brock Lesnar. So Brock, after winning his match at Royal Rumble against the Big Show by beating the living hell out of him with a steel chair, he want, he knew he was not going to get a title shot, so instead he issued an open contract slash challenge to anybody who wanted to face him WrestleMania. Out came The Undertaker, still supporting the short haircut. Brock Lesnar had his hand on the contract and the table, offered The Undertaker the pen. Undertaker grabbed it, stabbed Brock in the hand with it, choke slammed through the table. Match is on. Now, this would be the first time these two went one-on-one in, I think, for the first time since No Mercy in 2002. Because I know they had a triple... No, sorry, No Mercy 2003, because they had the Biker Chain match. I know they had a triple threat on SmackDown where Undertaker got a pin on Brock, which was one of the only few times where he ever got a victory over Brock over the years. So this was on. They had caskets used for mind games and everything. Match would happen. Undertaker would get a concussion through all this. And after three F5s. Brock Lesnar would get the victory over The Undertaker to snap the undefeated streak, much to the dismay and surprise of everybody. You can never forget the looks of the fans there in the Mercedes-Benz Dome for how monumental this moment was in the Superdome, whatever the place was. This was the end of the streak. Undertaker had to get carted away for medical attention afterwards due to his concussion. And we would not see Undertaker again until the following year, 
at WrestleMania 31. So the build of this in his match against Bray Wyatt, Bray was making constant shots and promos on The Undertaker, challenging him to declare himself to be the new face of fear. Undertaker eventually showed a promo just saying he accepted the challenge. And he would be seen at WrestleMania 31 for the first time since the year prior. His hair started to grow back a bit. Kind of a few that the match did not get to happen in night because that would have been the perfect setting. And Bray even survived a tombstone pile driver as well. So it really kind of diminished the tombstone if Bray Wyatt, no offense, of all people can survive. Took a second tombstone pile driver. Boom. Bray loses. 23 times now Undertaker's had a match at WrestleMania, making it his record now. No longer a streak. WrestleMania record now being 22-1. and one. The following year, WrestleMania 32, after finally concluding his match later in 2015 against Brock Lesnar and this stuff with the Wyatt family, Undertaker would be announced to be facing Shane McMahon. Now this, people got confused by how this is happening. I think I can make some sense of it. I might have mentioned in the podcast before that Shane wanted to control Monday Night Raw and Vince decided, all right, pal, you'll get it. If you have one more match at WrestleMania. But of course, Undertaker would be announced as the challenger, as his opponent to Hell in a Cell. And this was pretty much done for because Vince was being heel, and he wanted to stack the odds against Shane to make sure he can't win. So that's why it was Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. Vince was doing the heel thing, stacking the odds against the babyface to make sure the babyface doesn't get what he wants through victory. So both men have the match. We remember Shane flying off the top of Hell in a Cell, crashing the announce table. Undertaker gets a tombstone, and Undertaker goes on for his 23rd victory at WrestleMania out of 24. So not too bad. 25th one, huh, we remember this. This was supposed to be his swan song. WrestleMania 33 against Roman Reigns, no holds bar match. Started the Royal Rumble. Roman eliminated uh, eliminated Undertaker in the match. Declared that the ring was his yard now. Finally led up to the match. Not the best match. If you most parts there, we remember a botched tombstone attempt. Spears and everything. Roman wins. Undertaker's WrestleMania record then goes on to 23-2. and two. And Undertaker hung up his gear in the ring. Because this was supposed to be his last match, but Undertaker was not pleased with how the match was, so he stayed around for a bit longer, even though he was breaking kayfabe around this point, which was something he never did. Because one of the first things he did, he kissed his wife, Michelle McCool, who was at ringside. Something that they never established before. Now, Undertaker would not be seen again after this after this until WrestleMania 34 to face John Cena. Now, this whole build was John Cena did not have an opponent for WrestleMania. He decided why not challenge somebody who also did not have a match. He chose The Undertaker. He started taking shots, bringing up his wife, Michelle McCool, even though I don't think he really named her, saying you're not broken down because if you were, you wouldn't be filming videos of yourself doing workouts on your wife's Instagram. So he was just goading Undertaker for a match, and this was really one of the dream matches we did not have because we've seen Undertaker John Cena in the past, like, the most recent match they had, I think, was 2006 on Raw. But that wasn't much of a match. But in terms of a full-scale big match, this was one everybody wanted to see. Undertaker finally returned after his gear was in the ring again and disappeared. Undertaker rose to the floor. Squash match destroyed John Cena in a few minutes. Undertaker's WrestleMania record then moved on to 24-0. Or, sorry, 24-2. And now the final one. The retirement match. WrestleMania 36 Against AJ Styles, Undertaker did not have a match at 35. Pretty much like Undertaker did not really have a reason to have a match. It was like really it was all about the newer talent and what you had there. But then after missing WrestleMania, he realized he should be on that stage. And he finally had a swan song at WrestleMania 36 in the Boneyard match. So AJ was having this 
tournament slash gauntlet at Crown Jewel. It was the Tawake Mountain Trophy Gauntlet, I believe it's called. Ray was supposed to be part of the match, but he was taken out by Luke and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. So we need a replacement opponent. Out of nowhere, Undertaker comes in, wins a match, wins a tournament. And then afterwards, AJ starts taking more shots. The Undertaker, Undertaker starts shedding away his dead man persona. Starts showing more of himself and the the uh, American Badass persona for the first time in almost 20 years. And declares that at WrestleMania, he will face AJ Styles and announce a Boneyard match. So it was a cinematic match combined with a Buried Alive match. So put your opponent in the open grave that they have at sight. Cover him with dirt. That's it. Undertaker and AJ tore the house down that night. One of the best matches of the year, if not the best. AJ would end up getting big booted by the Undertaker after seemingly making peace. Dropped into the grave. Dirt covered him. Tombstone gets uncovered. And that's it. Undertaker wins and drives off into the darkness on his motorcycle. Making his final WrestleMania record 25-2 out of the 27 WrestleMania appearances he had. So there we go, folks. The entire history of The Undertaker at WrestleMania from 7 through 36. 25 victories, 2 losses, one of those victories ending not really decisively. The rest, all historic in their own rights. So let me know what you all thought about Undertaker's WrestleMania history. Let me know what your favorite match is, what your least favorite is, some other factoids that you might that you might have of any of these matches that I did not list. Let me know if you want if you wish to do so in the comments. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please remember to leave a like, comment if you want, subscribe to the bell turned on if you're listening to any other sources. Follow, rate, it's all up to you. I hope you all come back to this to listen to the podcast again as 2022 is coming right up. So thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out. And good day.